Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are trading mixed this morning on the back of a relatively muted session on Wall Street overnight. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Morning, Michelle. All right, let's start the morning in the world of tech, where layoffs, outages and U.S.-China tensions are causing quite a ruckus throughout the industry and beyond. First up this morning is the search engine giant Google. Two headlines, both internal, neither of which really inspire a lot of confidence. Now, top of the list is that Google has sent an email out to its employees with a warning. What did this tell them? Yeah, a warning that they will not get promoted as much as before. So this is all in line with how Google has been trying to streamline its operations by cutting out the fat in the middle, effectively middle management. And I think they are quite conscious about how many senior leadership roles are created right now. So in that vein, this is where we are looking at possibly a bit of a scaling back when it comes to promotions. And they are now pushing the message that this is something they want to ensure that the number of Googlers in more senior and leadership roles grow in proportion to the growth of the company. And as you know, growth has been slowing down. And also Google has just implemented a new performance review system. It's called Google Reviews and Development or GRAD for short. Effectively, this is going to be tougher to get a high mark. So more employees will get low performance ratings. And I guess it also helps to cut back on what comes with promotions, higher pay. So all in, that is the, the future for Googlers. So Google's missive to its very own employees was targeted primarily at the first layer of staff that is conceded senior. Uh, these are typically people with about a decade of experience. So that cannot be good for morale. I would imagine it's not great news you want to hear because as okay. you would want to be in any company, you want progress. And if you don't get it, you just move elsewhere. Google's CEO, Sundar Pichai, has defended the desk-sharing policy, um, arguing that some of its offices are like ghost towns. So I'm referring here to another issue that has Google employees up in arms. I let the cat out of the bag, didn't I? Uh, tell us more about this desk-sharing policy. Yeah, right? as we've seen in many companies, especially after COVID-19, there's been this push for desk-sharing or office-sharing because of how some of these companies don't require people to come to office as much, work from home mm -hmm. for some divisions. And then you've got that rotation potential happening. So effectively, people can share their desks. And this is something that Google has been criticized for. People are saying they don't want to share their desks. And now the Google CEO has some strong points for, the, uh, for his staff because he's saying right now the office is like a ghost town. Nobody is coming to office to even share the desks. He's saying the office is only 30% full at some times. So it is just paying for office space that the company does not effectively utilize. So he's not too pleased about, about that. So this is his message. Hey, if you guys don't want to use your desks, we'll just cut back on office space. Yeah, I guess the comeback to that could be, it looks like a ghost town, Google offices, 
perhaps because of the 12,000 workers Google retrenched earlier in the year as well. Okay, Ryan, putting all this together, what do you make of the possible atmosphere at Google? Are these cost-cutting measures good or are they moves that will hurt its overall business? Yeah, definitely Google has had better days when you think about morale and perks. Mm. I've heard from many uh, people in Google that they've had some cutbacks. So it's not the, I guess, the party days of tech as we've heard from before. It's a bit of a tougher environment. It's not just for Google, but pretty much almost every tech industry uh, startup or uh, growth company is facing this type of uh, headwind right now. So I would imagine they've got to tighten their belts for some time before things start to turn around. And I think with most businesses, they go through cycles. So this would probably put them in a better position for growth. And I think we've got a few growth drivers around the horizon. One of them, of course, mm-hmm. is their chatbot. But so potentially that could be something to look forward to. But in the meantime, I think you've got to bunker down, hunker down into your bunks to ride out this storm. The punch bowl has been taken away at Google. Shares of Google's parent company, Alphabet, have rallied since the beginning of the year. They're up nearly 8%, but they're still down 25% over the past 12 months. Now, our next tech company in focus this morning is TikTok. The Chinese-owned social media company is coming under increased political pressure in the United States, where politicians from both major political parties are coalescing behind legislation to ban the population video sharing app. Let's take a step back, Ryan. Remind us why an app that is primarily used for sharing pretty hilarious videos, though I have to say there's some insightful ones as well. Why is this considered a potential security threat, TikTok? And do you think that this new bill will actually be passed? Um, If it does, could TikTok be booted out of the US? Yeah, as you rightly pointed out, it does look quite innocent on the surface. People dancing, cat videos and so on. How dangerous mm-hmm. can that be? Well, according to some people, it's very dangerous because of the data and where it's stored. And some accusations are that the Chinese government can get access to this data and share it with its military. So among the data points that are raising concerns include how or how how much access it can get to location data, for example, where you are right now as a user. And also, maybe a look into your home as well. So if you are being targeted as someone important, if they, if they look at your videos, they can possibly kind of figure out what's in your home and then that can lead to potential security issues as well. So it's a whole universe of potential what-ifs or in terms mm-hmm. of what type of... Um, use they can do with your data. So that's the scenario there. Of course, they've got their worries about being um, home in China when it comes to data storage as well. So that's the big overarching view of how this TikTok dispute has been playing out. In terms of whether we can actually see a ban, we've actually been talking about this for quite some time, a few years. And Mm -hmm. TikTok is still being used in the US. So as you imagine, it's not that easy to ban something like this. You need a bipartisan bill being supported by both parties. It does look every time that we get some traction now and then, but it is still quite tough. You need more support for this. But there is some argument that as you head into the elections, you get a stronger anti-China rhetoric going on. And then maybe that's where you get a momentum for this bill to be passed. So we'll see how that plays out.
Yeah, lawmakers from both sides of the political spectrum have indicated their concerns about TikTok. We've heard Republican Marco Rubio. Um, we've also heard Democratic Senate Intelligence Committee Chair Mark Warner voice concerns as well. So some two-thirds of U.S. teenagers use TikTok now. They're certainly going to be upset if their favorite app is outlawed in the country. But one company's struggles is another's opportunity. Investors on Wall Street have been bidding up the share price of a TikTok competitor, which stands to benefit if its rival is ejected from the game altogether. Who's this rival? Yeah, it might be the OG of uh, short videos. We are talking about Snap. And this is, of course, the parent company of Snapchat. And I think you've been uh, in the social media space, you would have used it at some point. These messages that would disappear, they've since expanded into more things, including short videos that you can kind of browse. It's quite similar to TikTok. So in that sense, you kind of imagine they they have no problem filling up the space left behind by TikTok if they disappear. So it's going to be a very interesting landscape to see this land-grabbing exercise if that does happen because you've got so many competitors now. Even Facebook has something similar in terms of short videos and I think even more copycats will be in the mix if that that does happen. So Snap, of course, enjoying that reaction in the news. Investors are looking more optimistic on where it's going if the ban does come to pass. So Snapchat, parent company Snap, is up 9.5% on the back of that news. Yeah, it has underperformed its peers over the past year, though, but it still looks like it's pushing ahead on the back of bad news for TikTok. Now, we move on to Twitter, which has faced its second outage in a week. Twitter CEO Elon Musk posted during the outage that the platform was, quote, brittle. Uh, Ryan, Musk has retrenched more than two-thirds of Twitter employees. The social media platform has a skeletal workforce, less than 2,000, down from 7,500 when he took the company over in October. Now, do you think these platform outages maybe have something related <laughs> to the layoffs? As an interesting uh, inference, Michelle. <laughs> you could probably argue it because that's how you would connect the dots, right? You don't have the... <laughs> capacity to address all these outages in the same timely fashion as before. Uh, you'd bear in mind they do go through outages even back before Elon Musk took over but this time they, it seems to be more pronounced and I think you've got a lot of fingers being pointed at these layoffs. And I think it's interesting when you look at some of the references to how media reach out to Twitter and then they say they can't get a response or comment because Twitter disbanded its communications team following the purchase. So pretty much across the board You've, you're seeing layoffs. Even the comms team is gone. The PR team is gone. Similar to P, to Tesla as well. So that is, I think, the I guess new reality that users have to deal with. That you might get more outages, but to some extent, Twitter has no choice if it wants to stop burning money. It has to cut back somewhere. Yeah, employees have mentioned that when Musk took over, the changes that he initiated in a matter of months from, you know, sacking scores of people um, and then employees staying back, working crazy schedules that were implemented, according to Musk's whims, have described the situation as being in a building uh, where all the pieces are on fire. Gosh. All right. One more tech company to discuss before we move on. This is Singapore's C-Limited. It is preparing to post its quarterly numbers. So what are investors expecting? 
Well, they are expecting not a good look when it comes to the next set of numbers. So revenue growth is expected to grind to a halt. And this, is, of course, would be a huge contrast to what they've been reporting in the past few quarters. And that was lifted, of course, with COVID-19, e-commerce really booming as everyone stay at home, work from home. But now things are changing. And this is where we are expecting, based on consensus forecasts, C Limited to post a 5.8% year-on-year decline in sales for the quarter and the December. So this is something that will also be the first decline on record and also reflects how it's been retreating from various markets like India, Latin America and Europe. We've seen them pull out in various video game um, markets as well. Shopee has pulled out from parts of Europe. It also reflects how... It has had to retrench people and has to pay for those charges as well. So it's quite a painful quarter. We turn to the U.S. now, where stocks held steady ahead of a potentially big week. There are two big items on the calendar, starting with the U.S. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, who is testifying before the U.S. Congress tonight and tomorrow. What are markets going to be looking out for from Powell's testimony? Yeah, pretty much more of the same, hopefully. They just want more certainty and clarity. So if Powell delivers on the same message as he does every time he speaks, I think markets will be quite pleased. If he doesn't, I think that's when the ship is being shaken, so to speak. And then you get a bit of market turmoil. I think that's what markets are hoping not to see, that they will get surprised. And in this sense, what we are expecting is Jerome Powell to say that he is going to be data-dependent Wait for the data to come through in a sustainable fashion for inflation numbers to come down uh, consistently over a longer stretch before the Fed will be convinced enough to do more. For now, as we've heard from many times, he is just going to wait for the data. Even though inflation is moderating, it's still quite elevated and not where it needs to be. And I think this is where you have that debate about 25 basis points, which is the base case, or 50 basis points, which is what some people have been talking about in recent days. So based on the coming testimonies, we might get a bit more clarity. We'll be keeping a close eye on that. There's uh, an even bigger data point for investors that could come out on Friday. This one, literally an economic data point, Ryan. What is it and what are you going to be looking out for here? Yeah, it's the big jobs report. So every month we get the non-farm payrolls and this is where it's going to be a bit more closely watched because in the um, previous one, in January, we got 517,000 jobs being created. That was a huge upside surprise from the usual 200 plus thousand. So this is going to be watched to see if a repeat can happen. And if it does, it just will point to a stronger-than-expected U.S. labor market, much, much stronger than what people were expecting. And this will then raise the questions, is this starting to be a trend? Is labor market not going to uh, get tamed despite all the rate hikes they've been seeing in the past few quarters? So if that does happen, it does raise the possibility of a higher rate hike and also for those rates to stay higher for longer. So that's the gist of the expectations of how this could play out. Time now for corporate news, and we do it up or down style. Let's start with SP Group, Ryan. Up or down? All right. This one is going to be an up because they are looking up to the sun for yeah. 
their first <laughs> solar farm assets in Vietnam. Nice, nice. The SP Group indeed has bought their very first big solar farm in Vietnam. If you take a look at the photos, you get a sense of how huge these huge. farms are. So, yeah, I'd say the solar investment is definitely an up for SP. How's cycle and carriage looking? All right, let's take a, take a look at Jardine Cycle and Carriage. I am going with up because they've just sold off their Mercedes-Benz Centre and three other properties for over $300 million. So in that sense, they've got some money to recycle and put into new opportunities. Yep, indeed. $333 million for the sale. Uh, looking like a good number from all sorts of perspectives. That is an up for a cycling carriage in my book too. Yang Zichang Financial. Okay, I am going with up because it is... Hmm partnering a Singapore-based fund manager, Tahan Capital Management, to invest in private credit assets in Asia. So this will help go some ways to help it diversify its portfolio and get more sustainable growth in the region. That's right. And just on the point of diversifying, it wants to have more of its interests, of course, outside of China. So it has a new partner in this regard, the Singapore-based fund manager, uh, to in, help it invest in private credit assets. So I'd say this is an up for Yang Zichang Financial. Let's look at Thompson Medical, Ryan. All right. Thompson Medical, one of the favorite places for people to, well, have their deliveries. It's going to be up for me. And this is with a potential acquisition where they are looking at potentially collaborating or buying assets in healthcare-related businesses in Southeast Asia as part of its expansion plans across the region. So no details yet further than that, but it does mm -hmm. point to some promising growth potentials, uh, tie-ups as well. Thompson Medical could be for sale and that news has seen its share price climb nearly 16% yesterday so an up from me Sasserit at CLCT as well Capital and China Trust Okay, this is going to be an up for me and they are outperforming uh, based on the China reopening story and if you look at the two REITs uh, this is riding up the optimism over the past six months around that narrative that China is going to reopen and more people go shopping. And for tenants, it's going to be good news. For a landlord, it's good news. And for these two REITs, it's going to be good news. Indeed, we've talked on this show about which companies could benefit from China's post-COVID reopening. Sasserit and CLCT, Capital and China Trust, have been on the list and both stocks outperforming other REITs recently amid all this optimism over China's reopening. All right, before I let you go, there is another story that I want to look at with you. Um, I know you normally eat very healthy, Ryan, but do you like Toblerones? All my cheat days, I don't mind indulging in chocolate. So I remember Toblerone being one of those you know, go-to things to cheer up because it's got a fun element to it, snapping off those triangles. How about you, Michelle? Love Toblerones, especially when I come back from, go through Changi Airport, it seems like the thing to pick up those giant Toblerones there. Uh, honey, Almanuga, the Swiss chocolate bar. Well, the makers of Toblerone, Mondelez, are going to change the chocolate bar's famed packaging. They're removing the Swiss flag, they're removing the images of Matahorn because they are outsourcing uh, production to Slovakia. So, uh, what do you make of the changes? I think they've <laughs> received the same blowback. I think the last time Mondelez made changes, they widened the gaps in between the peaks of the triangles and that, you know, it was called shrinkflation in the UK when it <laughs> happened. 
<laughs> I think. Uh, what do you think of these new changes? People have no choice but to sort it up because they have no choice <laughs> uh, because of the rules around so-called Swissness of things. If you're producing in Slovakia, you can't use Swiss symbols. It's as simple as that. But I imagine people will just overlook it because it's just a small little symbol on the packaging. People will still love the triangles anyways. And those fond memories of snapping those triangles will stay forever. I know. We all want to think we're on a mountain peak as we eat chocolate with Toblerone. When I first saw the headline, uh, Toblerone drops iconic design due to rules on Swissness, my heart literally stopped. I thought, you cannot do away with those peaks. So it's not that. It's the doing away with certain items on the packaging of the Toblerone. So that's good to know. All right. Enjoy the next time you dig into a Toblerone. Thank you so much for joining us here on Market View. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.fm. SG or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.